0: The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk
1: with Matter Private Network. During current restrictions, don't ignore your health concerns. Our expert team is ready to help.
0: Um, I want to read you something, uh, first of all. This is uh, from the Irish Times. The state is to begin testing new rapid COVID-19 antigen kits in the hope of rolling them out nationwide by the end of the year. It's understood that groups undergoing routine COVID-19 testing with the PCR swabs will also be asked to take a rapid antigen test along with it. Senior sources have indicated that this validation exercise will be undertaken over a period of weeks and the results of both standard and rapid tests will be compared. Depending on the outcome and the results of the exercise, rapid testing kits could potentially be approved by the End of the year. This could prove to be vital in terms of Ireland's response to growing coronavirus numbers, enabling people to test themselves regularly and get quick results depending on the cost of the kits. Taoiseach Michael Martin acknowledged that some European countries were moving faster on antigen testing than Ireland. He said, I know it's been clinically validated in Ireland following the HICWA study. I know the French are moving on that. The Greeks have moved on it. The Portuguese have. So I think it's significant. That is something we will have to accelerate in terms of our consideration, because many countries think it has a role to play alongside the PCR testing. You wonder why I'm reading you that out. Um, Is it from this morning's Irish Times? No. It's from the Irish Times of Saturday, October the 17th last year. (laughs) And you look at Neffert's performance yesterday and you ask yourself, what have they been doing in the meantime? Professor Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin, is uh, joining us now. Uh, Luke, good morning. Good morning, Pat. What
1: did you make of Nefert yesterday? (laughs) Well done for reading that out, Pat, because that is outrageous, isn't it? With last October, you know. Oh well, look. I mean, it's just dragging on, isn't it, Pat? I mean, look at Canada. If 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 we want evidence of antigen testing, Canada have the evidence. I mean, they've had it going on for ages. Millions of tests. You can buy them in a supermarket there. Uh, The Canadians have shown direct evidence that antigen testing has stopped over eleven thousand cases from spreading, which is a huge number, obviously. Or you've cut eleven thousand cases through antigen testing. You know, and and it's freely available, you know. And their Minister for Health, FAT, has said, this is really good, it. the the Minister for Health says, there's no magic bullet, we know that, but it's another layer to detect cases early, slow the spread, save lives. You know, their science minister has said, it helps businesses, helps employees, helps us safely reopen as we progress and brings back the economy. You know, very clear statements from their own ministers, you know, and and then the science has backed up the use of it. So why this is still uh, even an issue is beyond us, isn't it, in many ways?
0: Yeah. Uh, and uh, the idea that one of the uh, Neffet people was explaining how you could falsify the test. <laughs> you could get yeah. a false positive using whatever, soda water, yeah, or, something, or, water or something. Butter or tonic water or something. Butter, you know.
1: Yeah, strange. I yeah. mean, yeah. It,
0: it clearly was. And like We are doctors. We are the only people who can possibly supervise this. We couldn't let the ordinary person uh, no, loose it, with uh, an antigen. Oh my goodness, how could we do that? It's just a complete
1: mystery at this stage, isn't it? You know, and remember, it's very simple. Like if if you're positive, you stay home. If you're negative, assume you haven't taken the test. It's as simple as that, you know. Yeah. And I imagine an electric picnic would be good. Like, imagine if you go there, Pat, you take the antigen test, you say to the person, sorry, you're positive, please go home. If there's a negative one, you say, you haven't had the test, actually, because we can't tell if you're negative or positive. So don't, don't read this at all. You know, that's, that's the simple message, and it can be given to people, and people will take that on board. I'm sure they would if they're told that, you know. And it's not a magic bullet. It's not the answer by any means. It's just another weapon to use in the fight against the virus. So it still just drags on and on, doesn't it? I mean, I'm very well acquainted with, you know, a, a domestic situation
0: where uh, a guy, you know, regularly tested himself, had a bit of the summer sniffles which you would always have, found he was positive, stayed away from everybody else, nobody else got it. Because after his antigen test, he went off and got a PCR test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it confirmed
1: that. the positive and then he just said, don't come near me. That's the way it and works. And five days later, he was clear. Yeah, and the Canadians, if you go to their website, and it's very clearly, this is not a magic bullet, it's just another weapon to use and if you're negative, assume no, thing if you're positive stay home that's all you've got to say to people you know and then it works and the Canadians have proven it works so why we can't You know, I guess follow other yeah. countries is still the biggest I, mystery I, I'm, I'm just
0: afraid that you and I because on this programme you've been a, a standard bearer for the usefulness of antigen testing for so long that we may have beaten effort into a silo Maybe. by pushing yeah. on about this so much that they feel they can't kind of go back on what they've said before. They can't admit they were wrong. Do you know they're still calling on the HSE website? They're calling masks. Face coverings, yeah, right, yeah, because yeah. you know they they were they didn't they said you you know masks inappropriate you people would use them wrongly and so on and then gradually they kind of began to recommend masks but it's still officially face covering yeah, yeah. in on the HSC website yeah and, and that Tero, was Tero, that,
1: Tero. that was originally because they were worried about people buying up all the N95 masks you see so I suppose early on it might have been justified to say that but now we don't need to use that terminology at all so mm. there's, there's a reluctance isn't there to, to progress there's it.
0: something else is very interesting on the uh, HSC website. They They are still recommending that people under 30 should not get the AstraZeneca, right? Right. And that's fair enough. That's NIAC, whatever. They're calling people under 30 to get the second dose of AstraZeneca. Explain. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, where where do you begin with all of this? I don't know. Anyway, we want to talk about other things and particularly how well the vaccines and uh, heterologous vaccination might be best. But two doses of
1: AstraZeneca, two doses of Pfizer what does it do for us in terms of Delta? Well I was relieved on Monday Pat because the data came out from the UK so they've looked at 14,000 cases of Delta now and the Pfizer vaccine two doses 96% protection against hospitalisation AstraZeneca is 92% so they're equivalent there would be what I call confidence intervals in those numbers so effectively two doses of Pfizer two of AstraZeneca are preventing hospitalisation with Delta which is great because that means it's not progressing into severe disease and then one, one dose of Pfizer was 94% protective AstraZeneca uh, so of a seventy one percent, slightly less, but still seventy one is a good number. You know, so there's some protection from mm-hmm. single shots as well. So and this is a relief in a way, because it means as we would have predicted, the vaccines are stopping, you know, severe disease and hospitalization is the idea. So it's a really good piece of data that we can we can use now.
0: OK, so uh, as we get more vaccinations and and we know it's kind of been revealed yesterday, if we didn't know it already, that the single prong of the nation's defences seems to be vaccination. Yeah. You know, that, that seems to be the only show as far as they're concerned in town. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Uh, yeah. happily, if, if we do progress at the rate we have been progressing, it will work and they'll all take a bow. Yeah. And not realising that many people died around the Christmas period, particularly who need not have died if they had had serial antigen testing yeah. in nursing homes.
1: Exactly, Yep. yep. So and then the second yep. one that's good, Pat, is they've got, re- I mean, evidence the vaccines are working in the fields, which we know they work already, but you'd like to see the data. So the vac- vaccination in the UK, they've stopped 14,000 deaths and they've stopped 42,000 hospitalizations, up to the of May. So that's a lot of lives saved and severe illness prevented with their vaccination campaign. So yet more evidence that these vaccines are really fantastically effective.
0: Now, uh, one concerning aspect of COVID-19 is uh, the rise in the incidence of type 1 diabetes, um, which tends to be uh, familial, I suppose, and is often triggered by viruses anyway.
1: That's right, and it's a slightly concerning one because they've shown in the US, this was a US study, if you if you have COVID, you're, you're 39% more likely to develop type 1 diabetes in the next six months post-COVID. So it's a bit like a long COVID type thing. And there's also an increased risk of type 2 diabetes. So for some reason, the virus increases your risk of developing type 1 diabetes. We've known, as you were saying, from other viruses can do it. You know, They can precipitate diabetes, basically. But uh, but very clear evidence now that this virus is especially prominent in terms of driving this risk of type 1 diabetes. So this is of course a concern because if young people are infected it's not a benign disease in young people. We think it might be and it it is benign of course in the sense that it's a lot less severe and so on but but it would increase the risk of type 1 diabetes maybe even in the younger population so it's, it's an important study
0: yeah and, and also they've uh, discovered that people who have a uh, diabetes will suffer more severely from covid if they contract it
1: that's right yeah Th- this was and we know this because even you know with the vaccination campaign if you're a diabetic you were in a vulnerable group uh, the data now clearly shows if you're a type 1 diabetic you have a threefold increased risk of dying whereas if you're a type 2 diabetic you have a twofold increase these are big increases in risk you see and that was known uh, from previous studies as well but this is all now confirmed it, it's a high risk so of state diabetes. And then secondly, if you get the virus, you're at risk of developing diabetes, and then they worry you about a kind of a vicious cycle there of sorts, you know. Um one good bit was Pat there's a drug called metformin, which is given to diabetics. That seems to decrease the risk of severe disease in diabetics and there's some evidence metformin is anti inflammatory, you see. In fact, my lab did did work on metformin over the years, so it can act as an anti inflammatory agent as well as being useful in diabetes. So that's another little angle on, on the diabetic thing. And now they're suggesting metformin should be used more widely widely in COVID it might actually help people with symptoms you see so it's a very interesting area the diabetes and um, COVID connections.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, another aspect they looked at is the use of telemedicine for helping to monitor diabetics who are uh, fluctuating during the pandemic and can't get to see the doc.
1: That was a good one. Yeah, in fact, that again, that was very useful because a lot more telemedicine was happening all through the pandemic, obviously. And they noticed that diabetics were benefiting from that because they talked to their doctor more. They'd have on-screen consults. You know, the doctor could ask them, have you taken your insulin? They were getting more insulin out into patients as well. So, so there, there was a benefit of telemedicine, really. It could, in the future, in fact, you never know, diabetics might be handled more uh, regularly through through telemedicine approaches, which could be very useful.
0: Now, in spite of the overall optimism, you know, the vaccines helping to uh, prevent serious illness from the Delta variant, there are still people who do get sick. And in the UK, of course, the, the evidence is that most of the people who get seriously sick and are hospitalised have not been vaccinated. Um, but there are people who either won't get vaccinated or who haven't been vaccinated yet who will
1: get very seriously ill, Antibody therapy. Yeah, this is another good... This is the good good, positive headline this week, Pat. So we have our second drug now to treat people with severe disease that definitely works. Now, there's many drugs still being tested, including things like ivermectin that we've discussed before. That's still being tested in trials, you see. But but we've now really good evidence that this antibody therapy is working. And it was done on what's called a recovery trial in the UK, which is a huge big clinical trial. They've shown that if you're in severe disease and you can't make antibodies... Which means your immune system is now not working properly. You are at risk of dying, right? So, of course, they're the ones they have given the antibodies too. So it's a bit like it's a bit like diabetes in a way—you're replacing a deficiency, you know. So they've given people the Regeneron cocktail, the famous, by the way, cocktail that uh, Trump famously had, and they saved twenty percent of lives by giving people that cocktail. So it's the second drug now clearly proven to benefit severe disease with dexamethasone, the steroids, the other one. And it was a really robust study. Over nine thousand seven hundred patients were tested, you know, and and a decrease. Increase hospital stay as well by four days, which is great. And that will now be approved. Now, the trouble is it's a very expensive option. These antibody therapies Mm -hmm. aren't cheap, you know. But still, here we have another uh, medicine that doctors and hospitals can use on their severe patients. A second one. So there's two very clearly proven now, um, uh, you know, approaches now to help people who've got severe disease.
0: Now, there's also the idea that you uh, you hear about people who are at home, some of whom will be fine. They just have a, a small illness, uh, a mild flu, and then they get back out on on uh, track. And then there are others who will uh, eventually end up in hospital. And the idea that um, if you could find out which ones are going to get really sick, yeah, you could give them this therapy, uh, you know, show they're not mounting the antibody response, detect them early and give them this stuff and they don't. Even need to go to hospital. That's right. Yeah. Well, but this is incredible, Pat. So let's say you're
1: positive for the virus and you're at home and you test yeah. positive. Guess what? With an antigen test, by the way, they're recommending for people at home to use an antigen test. And if you're positive on the antigen test but negative for the antibody, then you need antibodies. You know, because obviously, then there's something wrong with your immune system and you can't make enough antibodies. They're the ones who you might actually give this to upfront. You know, very early in the disease, and you're replacing the deficiency. So, so that this this may well happen. You never know. They they could recommend that if you have a positive antigen test and you take an antibody test and it's negative, then you should go and see your doctor and for definite, maybe that you would be put on these antibodies early and then you the, the disease won't develop into severe disease, you see, which would be a tremendous uh, development, really. They're exploring that as a possibility. So it's interesting, isn't it? You know, in other words, you find the patients who need the treatment is the idea and the ones who yeah. need it have no antibodies. So you give them antibodies to, to help them, you know. It's very interesting because you often wonder
0: with uh, your GP how up-to-date they are with everything that's going on in the world. I mean, are they so busy treating their patients that they don't have time to sit down and read the learned journals and, you know, maybe they wait for press releases or, um, you know, updates to come from the General College of pra- uh, Practitioners or whatever, is the College of General Practitioners. Yeah. Um, but it could become the protocol for, you, you know, someone yep. is positive, then you do the antigen test and then you do the antibody test. Yep. And it's just
1: part of the diagnostic that's right. And drill. And, and just like antigen testing, Pat, this would be your screen. Then you go in and get a really accurate test done of okay. antibodies because obviously these antibody tests yeah. have issues just like the antigen test, you know. Of course, antibodies and antigens are bread and butter to immunology, by the way. So, so in other words, it's it's an indicator and then you do the really robust test next and then you give the people the therapy and then you might save them. So that's, that's what they're now suggesting. And interesting, Pat, the Americans have seen this and they've bought, they've spent $2.6 billion with Regeneron to buy enough antibody now to get ready to treat their people, you know. The Germans have spent over nearly half a billion they've bought worth of these antibodies, you see, because they knew this was kind of coming. You know, there was evidence already and stuff. So now countries are... Now, it's obviously, it's a, rich, it's a rich country game, isn't it? Because these are very expensive. But but we, maybe the HSE needs to look at this now and say, look, we should buy antibodies because if someone is very sick in hospital, this is a proven treatment that will save one in five lives. Now, some questions from
0: the news talk listeners. Uh, what is the immunity efficacy of two doses of Moderna uh, or J&J. In fact, we're only recommended one dose of J&J at the moment. That's from Claire.
1: Yeah, we haven't got that data yet, actually, must be said. See, the UK was mainly Pfizer and AstraZeneca, so they could look at those two, obviously, because there's enough mm-hmm. numbers. It, it is a statistical game. You need lots of numbers to get, a, a hopefully, a definitive answer to these things. But they're looking at Moderna now and J&J, and you need to look at that where Delta is, is rampant, you know, and then you can see if it is protecting. But the prediction is they should work back, because those vaccines are just as good, or in the same range anyway, as Pfizer and AstraZeneca, so we can be confident that both J&J and Moderna will have the same protective effect against hospitalisation. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you ask
0: Professor Luke this question? I got my first job in April at AstraZeneca. Since then, I have turned seventy. What am I supposed to do now? What vaccine am I supposed well, that's to get? Interesting. Yeah, I, yeah.
1: I'd press. It's the Pfizer same one there. I gave you about yeah. the under thirties. You know. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'd press oh. for Pfizer, you could. I believe that one issue with mixing and matching I heard the other day was it's the technology doesn't allow it, Pat. Because you, you get your message on your phone to say come and get your vaccine, and then you get your say your your AstraZeneca vaccine. They're not able to change the technology to replace the second text with Pfizer. Apparently, you know that's one one logistical oh, re- maybe that's what I, maybe that's not true, but there's logistical reasons you see for mixing and matching as well, which which seem to be compromising the the capacity to mix and match.
0: Can you ask, Luke, if vaccines are controlling transmission of the virus with the Delta variant, I'm having my in-laws who are fully vaccinated and my parents who've only had one shot of AstraZeneca. Is it safe for
1: my parents? I think it it is. I mean, as I'm saying, the the single shot, that was interesting about the single shot of AstraZeneca was giving 71% protection anyway, you know. So the single shot's okay. It will give you some level of protection. Again, you'd you'd still be a little bit cautious maybe. It's always good to be in in this phase of it with the Delta that's out there to be a little bit cautious, but it should be possible to meet up in that situation.
0: Yeah. A a number of people are missing the point and accusing us of missing the point. Uh, Negative means nothing with an antigen test. It means that you're not infectious. Yeah. That's all. It, It doesn't mean that you haven't got the beginning of it, nor does it mean that you have the the, the 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 fading bits of it. That's right. It tells you if yeah. you're infectious, and and therefore, I mean, the question is: getting on a plane, would you prefer a three-day-old PCR test or a
1: fresh one-hour-old antigen test? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you prefer the antigen test. You would indeed. But but no, it is simple enough. If if you're negative, assume nothing. You know, assume you've never even taken the test, and don't change your behaviour. Is the idea? You know, if you're positive, stay home. That that's the simple message. You
0: know. Um, why did I not get a choice of vaccine? I'm over fifty. Received Johnson and Johnson, which I was hoping to avoid due to no re- informa- no real information on its efficacy. That's from Mike in Dunshockland. But just- well, we have one dose efficacy.
1: Well, we do. No, we? No, there's no question. Johnson & Johnson is stopping severe disease and hospitalisation as well. All the vaccines do that, you see. They're very efficacious. It's st- if you do get infected and you've had the vaccine, it won't progress into disease and you won't end up in hospital. Your risk of that is massively lowered by Johnson & Johnson, you see. So that, that's why they're using all the vaccines, because they will stop people getting really sick and dying. And that's that's the really important message. We'll do maybe another couple of
0: quick ones. I got the second shot last Friday, it doesn't say which one, but I have a bad cough and a runny nose since. Has the vaccine worked? The pharmacist told me I have symptoms but no COVID.
1: I'd assume that's a regular cold. Remember that? the summer colds are still out there if I remember. So people I suspect that person sadly just picked up a regular a regular cold there. I wouldn't think it's anything to worry about. Would Luke recommend getting the vaccine before pregnancy or during pregnancy? Either, yeah, that that's the recommendation. And they've looked at this in great detail. Now they've looked at a hundred thousand pregnant women who have been vaccinated, and it worked great in them, and then protected them. You know, and equally, obviously, before you get pregnant, it's fine as well. So I'd I'd, I'd, I'd have either situation.
0: All right. Well, Luke, uh, sometimes we're in Alice in Wonderland uh, <laughs> when we look at all of this. But you are a voice of sanity in the whole thing, and I thank you once again, Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin.